Great. Well, it's, it, it's wonderful to be back. I, I, I can't remember if I was here last year. If it wasn't last year, it was two years ago. But I've been here most years for the last 14 or so. So uh, who, who's never seen me before in terms of having... All right. So, I mean, that just shows some turnover, some growth, hopefully, which is wonderful. Um, so to give you a bit of context, uh, I, I, I've lived and worked in Burundi for the last 18 years. And you guys have supported me on that journey for, yeah, what was it, 15 of those years or so. And I'm very grateful for all the prayers. And I'm still alive, I believe, because of those prayers. I don't say that lightly. I'm 44 years old. I used to come and say, you know, I'm 29 and I don't think I'm going to get to the age of 30. I really genuinely thought I would die before the age of 30 because I was, I was working in the most dangerous country in the world. It was, it was very heavy. And uh, people I care about got killed and people tried to kill me. And, and I suppose the narrative over those 15 years were, you know, we're in a hell of a mess, but things are getting better. And they're getting better. And we're, all right, we're the second poorest country. We're no longer the poorest country in the world. And, you know, so from a really low, low point, but actually moving in the posit positive direction. And, and then in the last two years, having, um, yeah, things having gone better and better. It's just been horrific. It's been horrific. And, but that's life, isn't it, sometimes? Sometimes it's two sets forward and 300 back. And that's where I am. So I can't fake it. Do you want a fake message? Blah, glory. You know, it's not where I'm coming from. But that will resonate with some of you this morning. And do you know I'm still in the fight? And that's the main thing, isn't it? And so this morning I want to encourage you and I want to challenge you. And I think most of us need both of those. Some of you are so broken, you just, 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 you just need the encouragement. So receive just the encouragement. Some of you, you're in a great place and you're just up for full-on challenge. I think most of us need challenge. And, uh, but, you know, as I challenge you, please hear, it's from a, a broken heart, but a heart full of grace. And uh, that's the message I'm showing out there in a very different context here. You know, two weeks ago, to give you an idea of the slightly differentness from Cheltenham, you know, in one morning, just one morning, was, you know, two, two men tried to break into our house and a guy was murdered 50 yards up the street. And that's where I am. I'm there, I'm there with my three little kids, you know, 11, 9, and, and, and 7. And a lot of you got kids here and you think, you, you nut job, why would you do that? Why would you risk them? Forget yourself. And, that, and I, I can understand that, you know, because I was a single nutter out there expecting to die, ready to die, feeling fully expendable. For me to live is Christ, to die is gain. That's a biblical worldview, how we, all of us are meant to view our lives. For me to live is Christ, win. To die is gain, win-win. And Paul says, what shall I choose? I actually desire to depart and be with Christ, which is better by far, but convinced there's more work for me to do, I'll be around a bit longer. Now, in an extreme environment, you know, you learn lessons that, that, that do apply over here, but they're harder to learn over here because Cheltenham is actually a really nice place. And that's not little, I know there's loads of issues in the house and stuff, but, but you know, it is a nice place, isn't it? We're in a peaceful country and you're not listening to bombs go off and hearing much gunfire. And so you could really believe that there, it is peaceful, that there is peace, but there's a battle going on over this city. There's a war being waged of this nation in the spiritual realms that, that you need to wake up to if you're not fully engaged already. And maybe me coming in from the outside just, you know, is to try to stir that up. But, you know, because I've listened to literal bombs go off and literal gunfire and, and you know, I've had a takeaway and listened to gunshots and then find out that my mate's head's been blown off. You know, it's that, you know you're in a war. You can't, you can't not engage. Whereas here you could slip into apathy and coast. And particularly as we're entering summer season, you know, end of term, that sort of lot of our life's rhythm, we could just check out for a few months. And I want to say this morning, don't check out. 
If you want to look at the scriptures, what we've been looking at is going to be 2 Chronicles chapter 16. So if you're turning to your Bibles, uh, there's this really beautiful verse in what is quite a difficult book. And it's not a very popular book. But uh, there's a lovely verse in there, which you know, I, I've, I've missed for decades in my Bible reading. I mean, or I just went over it. And sometimes we do miss it, don't we? So whilst you're turning to it, just a few plugs on books. I know a lot of you have got that one. That's Choose Life. And it's a daily shot in the arm of devotional. It can't be rubbish because it was voted devotional of the year. So if you want to grab that, do that one. Uh, and then Radical Discipleship. Um, there's you know, 13 films on there. And there's a book on rag- Radical Discipleship. So grab those at the back afterwards. And as, as David said, you know, I would love you to pray. Wherever I go, I'm not saying give us your money. Because, um, you know, well, I mean, money's great. But, but what I'm asking for is prayers. And, and loads of you, who already gets my prayer stuff? See, that's encouraging, but that's, that's, you know, there's plenty more that don't, so there's a sheet at the back. Please come and sign up, because you just get something about six times a year. But that's, I do believe that's why we're live, and that's why my kids are not traumatized, and that's the biggest thing. And uh, It's hard to keep it together when you talk about your kids in that, in that extreme environment, but you know, when it kicked off in 2015, my, my little son, Jos, Josiah, five years old, he swallowed some popcorn into his lung, and uh, he was breathing like that. And... Um, he wasn't in pain, so it wasn't that big a deal. But he, we went to the only U.S. pediatrician in the country, and he said, "You need to get on the next flight. That needs a bronchoscopy, which is, you know, it's not. It, it's it, well, it's invasive surgery to get put a thing down his tubes and nip out that popcorn." And um, and so we, the next flight was three days away. We had three days to say goodbye, you know, and have a nice farewell football game and that sort of stuff. And and we said goodbye, and they left. I stayed behind. Lizzie took the three kids back, and, and, um, and thousands of people, including dozens maybe in this room, were praying for us. And a week later, because I had to wait till we finished the antibiotics in case, um, on the day of his operation, in response to thousands of people praying around the world, he coughed it up. And the doctor will tell you that doesn't happen sort of two weeks later. You know, it was God's miracle of taking them out of, 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 of the nation so that I could carry on in very extreme environments with the coup happening and, and evacuation just a few days after they left. And evacuation is traumatic. It's, it's horrible. You know, you never see your friends again. They're off in Spain and Canada and Italy. And, and uh, even as an adult, you don't get closure in a relationship. It's just wrong. And uh, yet they missed all that. And, uh, you know, I mean, God is faithful, but it is messy, isn't it? And then a few months later, so we had, they had a few months in England. This is giving you context, but it's all part of what I'm going to challenge you with this morning in terms of living by faith and not by fear. And that he is worthy of giving our whole lives. But a few months later, it's coming up to Christmas, and Lizzie and I set, set a week aside for prayer and fasting and seeking God about whether we should return. And the week we decided to seek the Lord is the week that 160 people were murdered in one day in the capital, on the streets, literally. And it was on the edge of potential ethnic you know, genocide. And people were very, it was very scary. It was very traumatic. And that was the day, where, you know, we, that week, we set aside to ask the Lord whether we should return. And I just got back from Burundi myself. And I was like, Lizzie, are you, are you up for this? Should we do this? And it was the heaviest decision I've ever had to make as a father. Can you imagine that? Because if they had died or, or she'd been raped or something, if we returned, then you would all say, you idiot, how could you? <clears throat> and so we prayed, and, we, and actually we had the, the peace from the Lord, having been told by all bar one of my faith-filled, hardcore partners in Burundi, all bar one, I said, don't you dare bring them back. And on the last day, I just went out for a walk on Southampton Common, which is where we're based, we're in England, and I, I just uh, I said, Lord, you know, I think, I think we're going to go back, we're going to trust you in this, we're going to live by faith, not by fear, but I'd love you in your mercy just to give us a sign. You know, just be great, 
bonus piece. And I walked on Southampton Common and prayed. And I came across this bloke. He'd been a missionary in Pakistan, and he'd had the death threats like me, and he'd had the child kidnapping, and he'd, he'd been through everything and some that I'd been through and potentially was going to go through. And he just spoke faith into me. I'm like, there wouldn't have been one, a single other person within 200 miles that could have done that. And again, that was the Lord's grace, wasn't it? And I want to speak faith into you this morning to dissipate that fear. And I want to say to you, it's worth it. It's worth it laying down your life for Jesus. And I'm going to do it in Burundi. I don't want any of you to come. Some of you have been. But, you know, that's not my agenda ever when talking. Because, because God just wants to use you where you are in your surrender, in your availability, in your full commitment. And that full word is going to come up a number of times. Because as we look at 2 Chronicles chapter 16, well, chapter 15 is talking about King Asa. And there are lots of kings that get bad press and were terrible kings in general. But Asa was, at least he started as a good king. So he got rid of the high places and he was, you know, he was a reformer and he was phasing out idolatry and he was trying to get them back to monotheism, worshipping the one true God. So chapter 15 gives him a good press. But then in chapter 16, you know, that's a challenge for all of us because at the moment I'm still going strong and I've been going strong, you know, for, for a few decades. But that doesn't mean I can't get taken out and lots of people get taken out. And we've got to be built to last and we've got to be accountable and hold each other accountable so that we carry on journeying all the way. And so Asa... What he did was that having seen the power of God, having, having, having seen God's faithfulness, suddenly when he's surrounded, or rather he's attacked by King Basha, double A, Bar, I don't know how you pronounce that, but Basha, um, you know, for, for some reason on this occasion, he chooses to see it through a human lens and said, there's more of them than us, and therefore I'm going to enlist or I'm going to uh, bribe uh, Ben-Hadad, who's in alliance with Basha, I'm going to give him even more money so he sides with me. And I'm going to trust in, in, in human sort of manipulation and planning rather than trusting in the living God. And then he does it and it kind of does work out, but there's a cost to it working out, which is losing the favor of God. And God sends the seer or the prophet Hanani to him and gives him a message. And Hanani is very bold. And I, you know, I've, I've, be it Nathan talking to David or Hanani um, talking to uh, Asa here, you know, I can relate to that very in a very real way in Burundi in terms of what's going on right now. And I, I just wonder whether I've got the balls to go and speak truth to power in the same way because, because it's very dangerous. Uh, and uh, you know, because this is going on the internet, I'll say no more on that one. But, but, it, but I can completely relate to Han and I uh, and wondering, but wondering, would I have the faithfulness to be that prophetic voice to a king that can kill you just like that? In the end, he didn't, doesn't kill him, but he puts him in prison for being faithful to relaying God's word to him. And part of God's word, which is this beautiful verse, verse nine, is this. The eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. That's a great verse. Did you miss it? I missed it for two decades of Bible reading. The eyes of the Lord range Throughout the earth, they range throughout Gloucestershire, they range throughout Cheltenham, they're ranging this morning throughout Trinity, longing, looking for, seeking out, wanting to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. So that's what he wants from us this morning. In our brokenness, in our pain, in our disappointment, with our wounds, he's saying, I want to strengthen you. I love you, my precious child. I am seeking you out. I have sought you out already. I've paid a great price to buy you back. 
And now I want you to live for me. I want you to live for me. I want you to stop bargaining with me. And how might our bargaining manifest itself? Well, Lord, I'll surrender to you if you give me a husband or, or if you take care of my kids, that's my bargain, or if you pay the bills or if you make it crystal clear. I'm the sort of person that likes all my ducks in a row. I'll do it if you show me up, up and fr- you know, ahead of time. Whereas, do you remember Genesis chapter 12, Abraham's call? It was go, leave everything and go to the land I will show you. And as he moved, you get progressive revelation. And therefore, we live by faith and we don't just have a faith. And I wonder how many of us this morning would say, actually, as I think about it, I've got a faith. I've definitely got a faith. But I'm not living by faith. Because living by faith means stepping out of your comfort zone and embracing risk. So if we're not taking any risks in our pursuit of Jesus, are we living by faith? That's a challenge, isn't it? And he's calling us to be a people who journey together and live by faith, embracing risk, embracing challenge together, because I can't do it by myself, but with you, if you journey with me, we can do that. We can do that as family, extended family, life group, church, different kind of ministries in the church. Let's do it together. But stop bargaining with him. So, so C.S. Lewis says, God can't bless us until he has us. And when we try to keep areas of our life that are our own, they're areas of death and in love, he claims all. Don't bargain with him. Think about that quote. You know, is there any festering, rotting death in your life? It's just an area of control where you're insisting on holding on to. He says, just, just trust me. I've got big hands. And so somewhat reluctantly, but actually, ultimately, having counted the cost and seen his faithfulness, I will lay down that, my children. Whatever it is that you think of right now that is an area of death in your life, stop bargaining and trust him. The eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. So some of you know this, but it's, it's, it's worth illustrating that verse. You know, why am I in Burundi? It's because of 18 years ago, I prayed the prayer, which all of us can close with, which was, God, I'll do anything, I'll go anywhere. So that was the prayer that took me to Burundi. I'll do anything, I'll go anywhere. And this bloke tracked me down in London, and we, we met up in Bishopsgate in the city, and I didn't know, didn't know who on earth this guy was, but he said, my name's Robert DeBerry, and I've been praying, and I believe God sent me to you, and he wants you to go to Burundi and be involved in youth and mission and evangelism. And as he was talking, my heart was thumping in my chest, saying, God, is this what you've kept me for? So I said to him, thanks, weirdo. I'll think about it. I'll be spiritual. I'll pray about it. And I went back to my job, and I was in front of the computer, in this job in marketing that had nothing to do with Burundi. And I said, God, right now in front of the computer, if you want me to go to Burundi, well, that means leaving family, friends, security, career, dosh, everything, going to a place where I might get killed. And I've told you people have tried to kill me. So I want a radical sign. Please, in your grace, give me a radical sign to justify this radical change of career. That was my prayer right now in front of the computer. You want me to go to Burundi? Give me a sign about Burundi. The phone rang, picked the phone up, and the voice on the other end, out of the blue, said, you know anyone who wants to work in Burundi? <laughs> what do you do with that? And either I'm lying to you, which I could be, but you wouldn't die for a lie, would you? That's 18 years of living a lie. You wouldn't do that. So then if we've got a purely sort of secular, materialistic mindset that precludes the supernatural, then that would be a coincidence. But I think most of us in here, we'd agree that wasn't a coincidence. That was a God incident. And the fact is, the eyes of the Lord on the, whatever it was, the 8th of August, 1998, were ranging throughout the, the earth, looking to strengthen someone whose heart was fully committed to him. And he went... Simon Gilbo, fickle duffer, he's got his issues, but I'm going to use him to change the world. 
And to the glory of God, looking back 18 years, and I like Mark Batterson's uh, comment that says, don't overestimate what you can do in one year, but don't underestimate what you can do in 10. Okay, because sometimes we're caught in the here and now. We want to see more fruit and, you know, but things, healthy things happen organically. And sometimes it's, and then a takeoff, isn't it? But, but, you know, don't underestimate. Don't get discouraged in the here and now as you want immediate fruits. But actually over 10 years, I look back 18 years on and it blows my mind. As the Ephesians 3, Paul talks about the God of the immeasurably more than all we could ask for and imagine. I've probably seen a couple of hundred thousand people come to Jesus through our ministry. It's mind-blowing. That's not because of me. It's not because I'm amazing. It's because God's amazing. And the one who calls you is faithful and he will do it. And he'll throw in a few scars along the way and, you know, painful experiences. But that's life to the full, isn't it? John 10, 10, I've come to have life and life to the full. And that fullness in life includes the full bucket load of tears as well as the joy and the laughter I mean that's fullness isn't it and to understand that fullness we've got to understand the start of that verse it talks about the enemy Satan who comes to steal and kill and destroy and he's you know it's obvious how he steals kills and destroys and Burundi is you know it's this poverty and AIDS and ethnic hatred and, and corruption and all that stuff it's very very obvious here it's, it's maybe more subtle isn't it but the bombs are falling all the time on Sheldon apathy materialism, you know, you name that ism, relativism, anything goes, just don't be tolerant, whatever it is. And he's saying, I want my troops sharpened and fired up in, in Shelton this morning. The eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. And how do you feel this morning? Do you feel fully committed? If, if you can say that hand on heart, yeah, I'm in Lord, fully committed. Well, praise God. And don't judge anyone else. But I think many of us would say, well, you know, I've taken a few knocks and, and uh, maybe I look back and think, well, I, was a bit, I was a bit more keen when I was single. And now with marriage and, and, you know, I've got slightly more excited about a new carpet fitting or an extension on the house than about seeing my friends, my colleagues that don't know Jesus coming to him. Some of us relate to that. Don't get obsessed with what I said about the carpet fitting. It's not about the carpet fitting. It's about, it, 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 it's, it's about our passion for things that last. You know, when you live where people are dying a lot, you, you work out very quickly what matters. And what matters is not stuff. It's people. It's a massive life lesson, isn't it? But in Cheltenham, of all places, you know, uh, you, it, it, that's a challenge, isn't it? Because we compare ourselves to people around us. We always compare up, not down, in terms of how blessed we are. We're amongst them some of those blessed people on the planet. And I'm totally preaching to myself. You know, I went to one of England's top schools and, uh, you know, I, I take it on the chin. Luke 12, 48 says, to those who've been given much, much will be required. With privilege comes responsibility. And it doesn't come with guilt. So I'm not about a guilt trip here this morning. But the Lord wants to lay hold of us a whole lot deeper. And, and for those who are committed, he wants us to move to fully committed. For those of us who are casual, he wants to, you know, he wants us to move along that continuum towards wholehearted commitment for him the eyes of the lord range throughout the earth to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him i received that phone call from god if you like and by the way please don't come up to me after and said i haven't had a phone call from god i'm praying that prayer of surrender you know it's not about the wacky answer prayer it's about the wacky prayer if you like it's that it's the, it's the complete no bargaining i'll do anything i'll go anywhere and uh so I got that beautiful answer to prayer. The Lord nailed me and then uh, I quit the job. And I had the farewell party and I packed my bags and I was just, just about to go when that bloke 
rang up and said, Simon, I'm really sorry, we misunderstood what the, evangel- what, what, what the um, Burundian brethren were asking. They didn't want an evangelist preacher type, they wanted a secretary for the bishop. And I was going, what? You know, that's not my passion, skill set, gifting. But, um, you know, it was, um, I'd already had the farewell party, so I had to go. So, and I, and I went out. I went out to the north of Rwanda where my hardcore old granny, age 83, was out there still preaching Jesus as a widow. And I went and sat at her feet for four months and listened to all her stories like she was Corrie Ten Boom's interpreter around the prisons and she had been involved in the East African revival. So she had been there at the boarding school they built. They built, they built the best boarding school in the country. And she was there with grandpa and they were just reading a book one evening. They heard screams and, and weeping and they rushed to the girls' dormitory. And in the girls' dormitory, the girls were weeping before the Lord and confessing sin as the Holy Spirit had just come on them. And they were, you know, uh, confessing that I slept with so-and-so and he gave me this nice new job or whatever you know it was just a move of God it was phenomenal yeah that's our God isn't it and uh, so I sat at her feet for those four months and during those four months as she taught me the language because Rwanda and Burundi used to be one country so it's a similar uh, similar dialect uh, and for those four months I was saying oh please when I get down to Burundi please I want to work with scripture union I got converted through the ministry of scripture union I'm kind of Anglican but if I'm an Anglican out there working the Anglicans then They'll like me, but all the rest of the church I'll have nothing to do with. So I want to be involved in the whole church, youth being the present and the future of the nation. So that was my prayer. Lord, please, when I get out of Bajumbra in Burundi in four months' time, please let me work with the Scripture Union. They heard down there that this Mzungu, this white guy, was coming. They were saying, Lord, please send him to us. And this was 1998. I got, first got an email in 1998, set up a Hotmail account in uh, Kigali. I sent out a message saying, guys, pray to my 50 mates or so in, in England. Pray that I can work for Scripture Union. That was the prayers going on for several months. Second last night in Rwanda, followed this granny, prayed me off. She said, God, we've had enough of Simon. Now he surrendered to you. Do whatever you want to do with him. And I said, see you, granny. I left the north just on the Ugandan border. I came down to Kigali, the capital city, and I went to one guest house for 10 minutes to meet and greet my boss, Rob, who flew down from London in that guest house. At the very same moment, the head of Scripture Union Burundi stopped on a, on a four-day drive to three countries further away. We looked at each other and went, because eh, it was three men from three different countries in transit to two different countries praying the same agenda meeting in one guest house in the capital city for 10 minutes now coincidence no the eyes of the lord they range throughout the earth to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him and so whether it was you know four months earlier with that phone call or now yeah he's still up for it he's still up for the adventure of living he doesn't want to play it safe he doesn't want the safety of existing do you want the safety of existing when you're offered the adventure of living and by the way, even the adventure of living in my life, there's still drudgery and, and periods of just pressing in and being faithful and obedient. So it's not all glamour. In fact, you might be thinking it's not glamorous at all. I don't want to go anywhere near it. But, you know, I think it's quite cool. But he says, just, just go for it. Go for it. Fully committed. What does that look like for you, being fully committed? And I think as those of us that are married here, we need to talk to, you know, between us, we need to have a team talk as a family. You know, first of all, as, as husband and wife, you know, what are we going to model to our kids? Because the best thing, and, and people relentlessly, the question I get is, what about your kids and how can you do that? But, you know, my answer, the short answer, and it's not a glib answer, it's a very webbed over answer, is the best thing I can do for my kids is to model authentic faith. And they need their own story. They need to see God at work. And if we're just nice middle-class Christians, totally depending on ourselves, and having a faith but not living by faith and not taking any risks, so what's going to excite them and draw them to Jesus when there's all sorts of other things out there that are superficially much more attractive? So we've got to, we've got to 
buy into this and live it intentionally and find out who else is up for it. Because not all of us, let's face it, are going to be up for this, what I'm saying this morning. But some of us are up for it. And we're not saying we're any better, but we're saying we at least are being very intentional in saying, I am not going to be one of those that gets to the end of my life and then sat there in a recliner with a shriveled soul and loads of stuff and think, I just missed it. I played it safe. Now, when I boil it down to that, none of us wants that. Do we? But actually, unless we're very intentional, that is the default position that we're going to go to. Which is why this morning, in the beauty of the, you know, the, 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 the seasons, and it's very nice, but this is, this, is a, this is a rallying cry. And it's a message saying, I want to put a marker in the sand. And I'm not going to check out for the next two months, spiritually, as, as, as the natural rhythm of the year is. No, and it doesn't mean I have to live this frenetic, you know, you know we enjoy God's goodness and his rhythms and rest, but I still want to be intentional. And I am going to choose to be fully committed and God is just seeking me out and he wants to use me and he wants to use you in the workplace on the team in the pub at the club in Tesco Sainsbury's wherever he's down the street with our neighbors just reaching out being his hands and his feet not being ashamed of the gospel why because it's the power of God for salvation and I'll carry on doing it in Burundi and you guys carry on doing it here or wherever he's calling because some of you he will call you further afield just praying that prayer. Then the ball's in his court. Lord, I'll do anything. I'll go anywhere. Sorry for the bargaining. Enough of that. I'm in. Fully committed. So it's not a soft sell. We're going to come to ministry now. I'm looking at the clock wanting to respect time. But I'm going to close with um, a poem that some of you saw me post um, a few weeks ago, maybe a couple of months ago. It's called The Race by a guy called, called Gro, Groberg or something. So it's not my poem, but it's, it's a beautiful poem. And it and it, it, it encourages me, and surely it'll encourage you. It's called The Race. Quit. Give up. You're beaten. They shout at me and plead. There's just too much against you now. This time you can't succeed. And as I start to hang my head in front of failure's face, the memory of that short race comes back to my mind. And hope refills my weakened will as I recall that scene, for just the thought of that short race rejuvenates my being. A children's race, young boys, young men, how I remember well. Excitement, sure, but also fear. It wasn't hard to tell. They all lined up so full of hope, each thought to win that race or tie for first, or if not that, at least take second place. And fathers watch from off the side, each cheering for his son, and each boy hoped to show his dad that he would be the one. The whistle blew and off they flew, young hearts and hopes afire. To win and be the hero there was each young boy's desire. And one boy in particular, whose dad was in the crowd, was running near the lead and thought, my dad will be so proud. But as he speeded down the hill, across a shallow dip, the little boy who thought to win lost his step and slipped, trying hard to catch himself. His arms flew every place and mid the laughter of the crowd, he fell flat on his face. So down he fell, and with him hope, he couldn't win it now. Embarrassed, sad, he only wished to disappear somehow. But as he fell, his dad stood up and showed his anxious face, which to the boy so clearly said, get up and win the race. He quickly rose, no damage done, behind a bit, that's all, but ran with all his mind and might to make up for his fall. And so anxious to restore himself, to catch up and to win, his mind went faster than his legs, he slipped and fell again. Ah. Oh. He wished then he had quit before with only one disgrace. I'm hopeless as a runner now. I shouldn't try to race. But mid the laughing crowd, he searched and found his father's face, that steady look that said again, get up and win the race. So up he jumped to run once more 
10 yards behind the last. If I'm to gain these last yards, he thought, I've got to move real fast, exerting everything he had. He regained eight and 10, but trying so hard to catch the lead, he slipped and fell again. Defeat. He lay there silently, a tear dropped from his eye. There's no sense running anymore. Three strikes, I'm out. Why try? I've lost. So what's the use, he thought. I'll live with my disgrace. But then he thought about his dad, whom soon he'd have to face. Get up. An echo sounded low. Get up and take your place. You were not meant for failure here. Get up and win the race. With borrowed will, get up, it said. You have not lost at all. For winning is no more than this. To rise each time you fall. So up he jumped to run once more, and with a new commit, he resolved that win or lose, at least he wouldn't quit. So far behind the others now, the most he'd ever been. Still, he gave it all he had and ran as though to win. Three times he'd fallen stumbling. Three times he rose again. Still, he gave it all he had, all he had and ran until the end. And they cheered the winning youngster as he crossed the line first place, head high and proud and happy, no falling, no disgrace. But when the fallen youngster crossed the line last place, the crowd gave him the greater cheer for finishing his race. And even though he came in last with head bowed low and proud, you would have thought he'd won the race. To listen to the crowd, to, to his dad, he sadly said, I didn't do so well. To me, you won. His father said, you rose each time you fell. And now, when things seem dark and hard and difficult to face, the memory of that young boy helps me in my own race. For all of life is like a race with ups and downs, and all, all you've got to do to win is rise each time you fall. Quit. Give up. You're beaten. They still shout in my face. But another voice within me says, get up and win the race. Why don't you stand, please? Why don't you stand? This is the most important time we have together this morning. Stand. Why don't you lift your hands to God? And uh, that ministers to me. That ministers to many of us. He's calling on your full commitment. There's so much potential in this room. There's so much more. The Lord's done plenty of stuff. There is so much more. Let's not limit him. Let's not settle for less than what he's got for us. Let's count the cost. It's not a soft sell. Come, Holy Spirit, you are so welcome. The eyes of the Lord range throughout this building to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. First of all, Lord, I, we hopefully want to repent. To repent for where we have been lukewarm or half-hearted or partially committed in response to the full commitment you made on the cross. I want to repent for where I'm still bargaining with you. But this morning, in response to your word and the sword of the spirit that pierces to the heart through all my defenses, all my excuses, all my rationalizations, I can hear you speaking to me. And it's maybe somewhat Fearful, but, but, but perfect laugh casts out fear. And your love is perfect. But so, hopefully not fear, but maybe, yeah, it is fear. But daunted at, the, at what that might look like to be fully committed. But, but deep down knowing that it is worth it, that it's the best place to be, is in the heart of your will. So Lord, I lay down 
my kids. And I lay down my family, my marriage, my friends, my parents, my sisters, my job, my finances, or lack of finances, my dashed dreams, my disappointments, my anger, my hatred, my bitterness, my jealousies, my anxiety, my sickness, physical sickness, mental sickness, my dreams, longings, aspirations, I, I, I bring them all to you fully. And I say, I want to be in. I will not be that person sat in a recline of the shriveled soul with loads of stuff, but loads of regrets, thinking I missed it. I will not be that person. And Lord, thank you that the one who calls you is faithful and he will do it. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. I can trust you with my whole heart. I don't need to lean on my understanding. I mustn't lean on my understanding in all my ways as I'm fully committed. In all my ways, I will acknowledge you and you will make my path straight. Thank you that the one who is in me is greater than the one who is in the world. Thank you that you will never leave me. You will never forsake me. Those are promises that we stand on. No weapon that's formed against us can prevail. Thank you, Lord. So would you make us a people of living faith? May we not just have a faith, but live by faith, Lord. What will risk-taking look like this week? And who can I journey with as I take risks? And who can I be accountable to so that I don't just talk a good game? Lord, may we be cheering each other on and encouraging each other. Thank you that I've fallen so many times, but get up. Get up and win the race. You've got what it takes to be I've called you to be my precious daughter my precious son come on let's do it together oh we love you Lord for some of you that's the first time you'll have prayed there you came along here not knowing what church life was like and maybe you got more than what you expected but you know Jesus is worth everything he died on the cross so that all your filth can be definitively dealt with and he can give you power to live and overcome day by day. Receive that. So keep pressing on in. And then some of you need to go and get your, your kiss. But keep pressing on in. This is a very holy, special time. There's a thickness in this room. And press in and do and deal with, with the Lord in terms of what he wants to deal with you. And some of you, some of you will want to come forward and respond more and more actively, but you can respond where you are, you can come forward, you can do what you want, but we're just going to say, Lord, have your way and press in to meet with him as he wants to meet with you. And I want to warn you that as soon as you leave, you know, the enemy's there and he's just going to say, tone it down. So nail it what the Lord wants to do with you and then tell someone and encourage each other and be accountable on that and I want to leave you two questions out of this morning which is you know, what has the Lord said to you and what are you going to do about it so that we're not just listening but we're doers what's the Lord said to you this morning what does he want you to do about it and let's do it